Hello, everybody. My name is Daniel Hart, and I am your friendly neighborhood podcaster. Today, I am joined with uh, Steve Powers. Uh, I've known Steve for quite a bit now. Uh, I would probably say my whole life I've known you. Probably so, yeah. Because my right. my grandparents live here, and I grew up visiting them. And uh, I'd have to say probably one of my fondest memories of you is probably, uh, or probably one of my farthest memories, my earliest memory of you. Mm-hmm is coming to uh, visit during a VBS, and you were, uh, you had the balloons up on the wall, and you had kids throwing darts at them and everything like uh, that. Yeah, those were great times. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so uh, you work with my dad, and you're the preacher here at my church. Um, so how long have you been preaching? Well, I've been here at this church for 20 years, and before that I had a preaching career at another church in Oklahoma for about five or six years and then before that I was in youth ministry so altogether I'd say probably 30 years but um, you know there has been an advantage to being at one church for 20 years Mm -hmm. and it's developing relationships with people and when you've had the opportunity to um, be there when a person's spouse uh, dies or their parents die It forges relationships that are uh, kind of unique and long-term, which is uh, great. When did you decide to go into ministry? Well, actually, it's, it's pretty funny because my dad is a preacher, and I kind of went through that phase where I don't want to do what my dad d- did or what he does, and so I chose sort of not to be a, a preacher. I double majored in college in both religion or Bible and in psychology, and then uh, I just felt like um, I was fit for ministry, and so I decided to go into the ministry side. Um, And then I did go ahead and get a master's degree in psychology, and it wasn't until about um, five years ago that I decided that I really needed to um, continue to grow as a person and have some personal development, and also Mm -hmm. to be able to use um, some counseling skills or maybe to grow in my counseling skills so I could um, help the people in the church or even in the community who had what I thought to be maybe more and more complex problems that I felt inadequate to deal with. So I just wanted to grow as a person and to grow in my skills. When did you decide to become a counselor? Well, I think as a preacher, I was already doing counseling. Okay. Um, And so, but you know, you have the realm of what's called pastoral counseling and I would do my counseling uh, as a as a pastor, as a preacher, but you know the world changes and relationships are complex, and people were asking me to take on counseling responsibilities with problems I felt kind of inadequate to deal with, mm-hmm. and I, I just and I had my master's degree but no license, and so. I thought when I turned 50 that it was time to go back to school. Of course, I was one of those old guys at school with all these young people, which was kind of fun. But uh, I would go to class, and in Arkansas, there were about, oh, six or seven classes that I needed in order to have the requirements for licensure in the state of Arkansas as a counselor. So I went, went to school, back to Harding University, actually, to get that. And um, at the same time, for just taking two or three extra classes, I could get an additional degree, which is an EDS degree, education mm-hmm. specialist. So I received my EDS degree uh, in 2019. 
and it is in clinical mental health counseling. So it's really, really made me feel more adequate and like I am really prepared not only to deal with people's spiritual needs, but also with their real emotional and uh, mental health needs. So uh, you were telling me the other day that you mostly work with kids. Uh, what's that like? Just yeah, I, it, for some reason, you know, I have a heart for people who are what I consider to be kind of innocent, mm-hmm. like they're um, th- victims, if you will, but that's too harsh mm-hmm. of a term. But just for children who are in bad situations and the things that are put upon them is not of their own making. In other words, they, they haven't done anything themselves. They just live in a home maybe that's dysfunctional or that has uh, drug addiction or has abuse or trauma. And so I, I've always had a heart for children. I started in youth ministry, but uh, knowing that most of these children are just products of their environment and the relationships in which they're in, which really were not necessarily the makings of their own, just draws me to them. And plus, working with kids is great. I use I use uh, puppets, I mm-hmm. uh, use um, um, play and uh, role playing, and different ways to try to give the child a voice to be able to mm-hmm. express themselves, to have a deeper understanding of themselves, become aware. Awareness is kind of a big term that I like to use. Become aware of themselves, of their emotions, being able to label their emotions. I feel angry. This is what anger feels like. Uh, this is how I process anger, and to try to just help them navigate, um, you know, navigate life and to grow. Right. Uh, so, let's kind of think of a small little scenario here. Uh, let's say I'm a kid that uh, is coming to see you uh, due to PTSD, maybe uh, some abuse from uh, father or mother, whether that may be. Uh, how would you uh, go about uh, helping them with that? Well, the first thing is to try to develop a relationship. And, you know, the trust relationship is really, really important and foundational for any kind of counseling experience. And my approach is there's a, a man by the name of Martin Buber, Buber and mm-hmm. he calls it the I-Thou relationship. And it's, it's a unique kind of relationship in counseling that is a non-expert type counseling. So you don't go in and sit and listen to an expert kind of tell you what Mm -hmm. to do. But it really emphasizes this kind of, I come in as myself. I don't pretend to be somebody I'm not. I'm just honest with who I am. And the child does too. And you develop this relationship side by Mm -hmm. side, working together to try to work through a problem. Um, so if the child comes in, they have PTSD, as an example, uh, there are several ways to approach it. But recently, I've been trained in what's called seed digging, okay. um, which is an approach that I like to use, especially with a trauma-focused type therapy. Mm-hmm. And you go, and with the child's permission, you go back and you explore the trauma. Um, you try to help them to become aware of the moment of the trauma, what it felt like, the smells, the sights, um, to analyze the fear and and to label it, and then to kind of determine what lie or what what feeling, what did I believe Mm -hmm. in that moment? In other words, maybe Mm -hmm. I believed that it was my fault or I believed that I was all alone 
or, or I believe that somehow, you know, I caused this to happen. Um, and once you, once you find out what they believed in the moment, then you, you try to help them work through that belief um, by having um, unconditional love, to love them unconditionally in that moment of trauma, and somehow by digging deeply in there, like seed digging by digging deeply, you help them root out that negative belief. Um, and a lot of times, you know, it, if you just band-aid problems, if you just give maybe a coping mechanism or something, it really doesn't dig out the root. It just is like putting a band-aid over a wound and not really trying to heal the wound from within. I'm sure uh, some of the kids that you uh, deal with are more more likely to open up than others. Uh, I'm sure some of them feel more comfortable mm -hmm. opposed to others. Some might be easy, easy to trust you and stuff like that. So, uh, Yeah, that, that's really important. And, right. you know, each person trusts according to maybe how deeply they've been abused or have, have trust issues in general. So some children and people, for all that matter, are just more trusting. Um, so that's why really the first part of any counseling is just developing relationship. I, I want you to know that I care about you, um, mm -hmm. that I, you know, I'm, I'm in this for you, that I'm your advocate. Um, and what you tell me is held in strictest confidence. And I'm not going to, I'm not coming as an agent for someone else to gain information so I can go tell them what you said, but rather I am here to be on your side, to give you a place, a safe space in order to express yourself. Right. I'm sure uh, some of the kids feel like um, like they have nobody to talk to. And then uh, once that opportunity is given to them, they're free to open up. I, I, um, I know that's sometimes how I feel is that I just need to talk to somebody about something. Mm -hmm. And I sometimes I feel like I have nobody to talk to. Uh, but then as soon as I'm given the opportunity to vent, uh, talk about what's going on, uh, I'll jump on that opportunity. Yeah, in a place it, where you're not shamed and where, you know, the person kind of loves you through whatever you tell them, doesn't hold it against you. Um, that's a real great um, environment for people, children, anyone really, to be able to open up and, and to express themselves knowing that they're not going to be judged. Right. And, and, you know, if some things you just can't tell your parents, you don't want to tell your mm -hmm. parents, but if you, if you can tell somebody else and you know it's going no further and that person cares about you and wants what's best for you and is going to help you process it and move through it, then that's kind of a win-win for them. Right. Um, so besides PTSD and uh, trauma, what other cases do you deal with? I would say... Most of the time people come in because their child's having some behavior problems at school. That's kind of where it okay. starts um, or at home. But I would say, especially in this COVID and post-COVID age, that anxiety is mm -hmm. the, main, the main thing that I see for. Um, panic attacks, um, anxiety um, mm -hmm. in social situations. Um, and then, you know, I see um, some depression as well. You know, children who are who who are depressed. They've been isolated from friends, and um, because of that, you know, they're just they're dealing with a lot of of sadness, 
But I would say probably um, for children, uh, anxiety and behavior problems are the main two things. Mm -hmm. um, um, actually, the last podcast I had, uh, episode three, uh, I talked to a uh, the whole episode I talked about like anxiety uh, about being in my head too much uh, which I'm sure we all deal with at times mm -hmm. um, but mostly it's just like uh, small things that I overthink about and just it messes with me mm -hmm. yeah anxiety is a very real thing you know right. and one of the things I'm thankful about is I think whenever I was younger <clears throat> that people would only go to counseling if it was just something really major, you know, right. um, and and now I think people are 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 more willing to say, I just want to be a healthy person. I want to be emotionally and mentally healthy, and so I'm willing to reach out for help uh, for a counselor to help me process that rumination you're talking about, where you just can't get something out of your head and it just plays and plays and plays and plays and plays and and these uh, the the fear that's there behind the scenes. Um, you know, driving you um, in places that, you know, really kind of wreck your life and take over your life if you're not careful. So that that's a good thing, that people are more willing to reach out than mm -hmm. they used to. But also I think, you know, the world's maybe a little more complicated than it used to be too. Mm -hmm. So you have kids having to deal, children having to deal with things that are pretty complex right. at younger and younger ages when they're not really equipped to deal with them yet and so there's a lot of pressure there mm -hmm. and a lot of in anxiety just kind of overwhelms them and they break down right uh so what's been the probably the most challenging thing for you as a counselor well just in general for me as a person probably self-care is one mm -hmm. of my um, biggest weaknesses i've always been pretty open with that even through my counseling training um you know, you have to set some boundaries. Uh, you have to um, set some limits, I guess, um, in your relationships with with the, your clients. And there are some ethics that are there. There's a code of ethics that we are bound to to, uh, to go by and to follow. Um, so, you know, taking time away, um, understanding that I have to set limits in relationships with with. You know, I can't be just available 24 hours a day, right. and I have to, you know, um, dual relationships is a big thing. And what they, what that refers to is multiple relationships with a person, like you're their friend, you're their counselor, you're their preacher. And mm -hmm. so all those kinds of relationships, you, you know, kind of harm each other or stand against each other. Um, and it's really important to just be a person's counselor if you're being a counselor. And so finding and maneuvering all that is is and can be difficult. Do you also deal with some couples counseling, some marriage counseling? Do you deal with anything like that? I do. So children's not is not my only focus. Okay. Um, I do just by being a preacher. A lot of times I'll see people for pre-marriage counseling. Um, I'll see couples that are that are having trouble, that are in crisis, and uh, yeah, so I do see quite a bit of adults as as well, and it's it's kind of you know really different right. when you're dealing with adults because they're they have a, a a deeper ability to have insight into themselves, and right. um, yes, yeah, so I, I would say probably in my in my experience dealing with couples or married couples in crisis is kind of the second most 
um, common um, counseling that I do. So uh, let's talk about your puppets real quick. Which one's your favorite puppet? Do you mind? A yeah, so I have a, over here in the room where we're talking, I have a whole tower of puppets. I've probably got 15 puppets or so. There's an old man, there's a, an old lady, there's um, people of all uh, kinds of um, uh, professions. I have animals, like a, a dog, a platypus, I have a llama, I have a monkey, I have a turtle. And one of the things that's really great about using puppets is you can do what's called externalizing the problem. Mm -hmm. So let's say that a, that a person, um, um, like I'd, I'd had a client one time who was, was made fun of uh, on the playground mm -hmm. and the kids called him stupid and he felt stupid mm -hmm. and he owned that title of himself. And so what we did was, is we picked a puppet and the puppet became Mr. Stupid. Hmm. And so by him taking the label stupid off of himself and placing it on a puppet, he was able to deal with and process this hurtful thing by, by having a puppet that was um, Mr. Stupid. And so what we did was we talked to Mr. Stupid hmm. and, and we were able to tell Mr. Stupid that he needed to, um, to, get out of get out of our lives and to go away and so uh, he, he got another this client got another puppet and um, chased that mr. stupid puppet all around the room we ran around the room you know running jumping over things and we had like this battles like the great battle to defeat mr. stupid and uh, and in the end you know we, we won and we beat mr. stupid and mr. stupid we drove him away and it was just an exercise to kind of take the label of stupid off of him to put it over here outside of him and then to deal with it and process it and get rid of it and in that way it sort of relieved him from that label himself mm -hmm. wearing that's, it. That's great, that's yeah. very interesting on uh, the approach you took. Um, and I think that's pretty much it that I have for this episode. Uh, I'd like, uh, like to thank you Steve for joining me today on my podcast. Sure, you're welcome. Anytime. Uh, yep. And uh, I'd like to thank you all for listening. And uh, I think that's it. I'd like to say thank you and uh, see you next time. Bye.